0: felt very welcomed and i felt very i guess important i would say to my brothers that they believe in me as a person they believe that i was able to lead them
1: you're listening to the teak nation podcast with donnie aldrich where we strive to educate inspire and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of tke thank you for joining us Welcome in to this episode of the Teak Nation podcast. We have, as you can see, an array of guests here for this episode. And it is a a very special, a very unique, and a very timely episode of the Teak Nation podcast. June is Pride Month. And as part of that celebration, as part of what is happening in our country right now, of of folks listening and, and engaging in a deeper fashion than they might have previously. Thrilled to welcome in. Four members of the LGBTQ community, part of our Teak family, and that starts with Pastor and Prentice Frater Mark Romig, member of the Grand Council, Grand Council member at large, Frater Eric Plo, TJ Morgan, a member of our TKE professional staff, and Keon Pitts, a, a recent graduate, uh, someone who's been a student leader and been engaged with our with our fraternity. And thrilled to have the four of you here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Teak Nation podcast. Thank you, Froder. Thank you,
0: Donnie. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Donnie.
1: And the, the phenomenal part about this episode and even talking to this man before we started is this, is this is an episode for me to really be a student, be a listener, as many of you will be during this episode. So as much as I can do, gentlemen, to spur conversation and get out of the way and take notes, I want to do that. And I want to begin with you, Frater Romig, someone who has been a, a tremendous friend of the fraternity, a tremendous servant of the fraternity, and, and a mentor, a friend of mine. As, as we begin this conversation, what, what has your experience been like in the fraternity, and even us having this conversation, what it means to you in in being a member of, of the fraternity and, and all the experiences that you've had? What, what does this moment mean to you? And and What do you want to accomplish even in this little bit of time with with these tremendous guests that we have?
3: Uh, Thank you, Frater, and and good to see all you Fraters. And uh, this is very unique and timely, and I deeply appreciate my fraternity uh, standing up um, tall and uh, doing something that I think um, truly has meaning not only in today's day, but uh, for future uh, generations to come. Um, you know, I, I figured y'all got the old man here talking first, uh, because I've been around, uh, for several decades in talk App Epsilon. My experience, um, really began in Teak, uh, back in the seventies. I was initiated at the Theta Mu chapter of the University of New Orleans in 1974. Um, I, I pledged that, um, that fall semester of 1974 and, uh, I, I really didn't know my identity at that time. I had, uh, had a sense of who I was, but uh, I just gotta tell you, it was a different time back then and you just didn't talk about, about yourself, particularly if you were raised um, the way I was raised mm-hmm. and uh, with, with certain uh, responsibilities and expectations, um, to go outside of that was, uh, was, was just not done. And, and so there was probably, a, a, there was never a closet big enough that I could be could have gotten myself into because I truly was as I developed as a as a young man and and became to understand who I was. Uh, it really wasn't until I was in my mid twenties, um, and uh, it, it it just took some time for me to do that. So I spent my entire undergraduate uh, years, um, you know, I'll just say playing the game, uh, you know, being uh, you know g- going to the dances and the parties. I was pretense of the chapter. You know, I led by my example of of just you know focused on the fraternity and the chapter, and making sure that my fellow members were uh, receiving the best experience that they could. But all the time, realizing that something was different, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. Um, So it it wasn't really until I understood who I was that I realized that uh, that was important to me, so that I could have a full life and and. I still kept it very close uh, and guarded, even to my family. I was so frightened about what this might mean to um, their reaction to me and and to my job and to so many things. And so um, for several, for a couple of decades, I just kind of led a double life, uh, so to speak. And even when I joined the Grand Council back in 1991, uh, uh, you know, I, I kept this very close to myself and only, through meeting some other uh, like-minded individuals in the fraternity. And you, you started to understand that, you know, it it was just, it was bigger than myself. Other people were going through the same situation and you gotta remember this was in the period of uh, HIV was just being, tried to be understood about what was going on there. And so there was a lot of frightened people and it really, um, it really wasn't until, um, I'll give you the date, it was an RLC at 2011, in 2011 that I was invited to speak uh, to uh, the RLC in Atlanta uh, uh, by um, uh, Frada John Deckard asked me to come because he and I, um, I had opened myself up to him and he knew where I was coming from and he thought that the message was gonna be important at that time, particularly about bullying uh, within the chapter uh, experienced by, by people who just didn't fit into a certain you know, look or um, a lifestyle, and so I use that opportunity to tell my own story. and And what I wanted to relate is that all this time I was afraid to open up to my fellow frauders, let alone my own family. Um, when I when I did, when I would go through that process, it was always one of these conversations, like, "Yeah, so what? We I love you anyway. Uh, you know, I, I love you for who you are and what you what you do, and and how you treat me as an individual. And so, uh, what's the the next conversation. What do you want to talk about now? And so it, it made me realize uh, early on that uh, this is who God created. I I am, you know, I was, uh, I, I was given this deck of cards to play and, and I needed to play them to the best that I could. And it wasn't until I understood that I needed to accept myself fully uh, was I was, would I be able to give myself fully to, to everyone? Um, so it took me a long way to get to where I got, uh, and I, I'm still learning about myself, obviously. But uh, it it was um, it was enlightening to know that, for the most part, uh, people accepted me and they didn't care. I thought they cared uh, about you know labeling me one way or the other. But I, I just you know try to live my life now in this in this fullness. the The, the hardest thing that I experienced was. Um, some of my um, peers in the in the fraternity, who I had deep respect for, uh, to this very day have, you know, they shut down this conversation. They, it's not something that they would ever accept. And I just had to live with that and, and, and move on. Um, but uh, I, I just really believe that all of us here on this call are going to be important to ensure that no one has to go through those kinds of experiences that they're accepted for who they are, their personal worth and character and not by some uh, way that you were made and created because we're all God's creatures and we all are in the image of God. And, and I think if we can understand that, I think things would be so much better.
1: Well, thank you for starting and, and doing as you always do and that's setting the tone, setting the example and being a vulnerable. I, I will never forget that that day nine years ago, a little more than nine years ago now, at that RLC in Atlanta. And I remember uh, the weight the weight of the world it felt on your shoulders before you went up to speak. Even at that moment, knowing what you were going to say and and what you were going to share. But I also recall that weight being lifted off your shoulders once once you shared that and, and the immense applause you received, and the love and the compassion that you felt from the fraternity. Keon, I want to turn to you, obviously being a member, not just of the LGBTQ community, but also a man of color and, and someone who's been a leader in this organization and been engaged at many different levels. Your perspective, your experience, obviously uh, you've, you've yet to have the decades of experience frater has, but, but the experience yeah. <laughs> that in, in Talk Up Epsilon at this point.
0: Um, with my experience, it was quite different. So I actually um, have been, like um openly gay since elementary school, which was definitely something different um, for me and different from my community that I grew up in. Um, and so when joining or going to college, I didn't really understand fraternities, I would say freshman year. Um, and so I was just there thinking about all the stereotypes. And so I was very scared and nervous to even join something um, because of not feeling welcomed. And then sophomore year, um, Teak actually uh, was, became a colony back on my campus. And so I am actually one of the re-founding fathers of my campus at Southeast Missouri State. Um, at the beginning of talking to like some of the members and getting to know them and with me being already openly gay they welcomed me on day one and they welcomed me um, with open arms and so that really helped me embrace like, who I am as a person um, and it also really helped me understand like, helped me understand what it meant to be openly gay and a person of color in a fraternity that was predominantly white and so uh, and predominantly straight and so for me I when they open they opened their arms to me I felt very welcome and it helped me gain like my personal leadership roles that I really wanted to do and my personal growth that I really wanted to accomplish and so I started off as a um, just a t-shirt chair <laughs> at first to get some type of leadership role inside the fraternity. Um, and then my next role was Hegemon and my junior year I was Preetness of the fraternity. And so them voting me as Preetness going up against four of my other um, brothers in the fraternity was, it was amazing. It was very, um, I felt very accomplished in my goals and i felt very welcomed and i felt very uh i guess important i would say to my brothers that they believe in me as a person they believe that i was able to lead them in the right direction um and i was able to and they trusted me um, as a frauder and yeah i don't know what else to say i'm sorry
1: it's right you don't have to apologize this that's the great part about this medium is continuing to share your experience. And how about, can you talk as well a little bit about your experiences in attending educational conferences? Fred Mark talked about his experience in speaking at RLC. Can you talk about your experience in, in going to educational conferences and meeting
0: teaks from around your part
1: of the country and, and the entire country?
0: Yes. So my first conference I went to was um, in Indianapolis. And I was very nervous let's begin there, very nervous to meet teaks from everywhere and especially to meet people um, who did not know me and so it was different from my campus and my brothers at my chapter knowing me to me being vulnerable and seeing how teak as a whole would be acceptance of who i am and the first day at r l c I had a blast. I was able to meet so many people that did not look like me, did not act like me, was different, um, just different altogether, but we all was there for the same purpose. And just like the loving and the bond that we have for each other, um, I I was blown away about the acceptance that I received from my brothers also in college um to the alumni to the volunteers to the board members it was across the board an experience that i as a person um, would never forget because it made me a better leader to go back to my campus um because it made me a better leader because it showed that no matter who i am or what i am uh everyone's accepting. And so I had to really like get that out of my mind. As president, when I first joined, I, it was still in my mind of whole, like how I had to act or who I had to be or how I need to lead. Um, and so it was still in the back of my mind. I knew I was very accepted as a gay member. But when you become like the face of your fraternity on campus, um, you start to get a little bit insecure about how you want Keek to be represented. Um and but after like going to RLC that all of the little insecurities that I had just went away because I knew that I was a great leader and I knew that I was that my um frauders put their trust in me. And so I just had to get them what they wanted for me. And that was just me being Keon the authentic person. They voted day one to help represent and lead them um in a world of fraternity
1: that's a great story thank you for sharing that eric as a, a member of the grain council someone who really after graduation is moved into extreme professional success and has come back and, and become re-engaged with the organization and for the last year now you know you've been part of this leadership team family and, and Mark knows that from experience, what being in that room is like and and many critical decisions have had to be made uh, over the past year, just completed the the new strategic plan as well as even decisions that were made in the last few days in terms of announcements and and the support of, of different groups of people within our organization and making sure that we're prideful and putting that out front on our website and social media platforms. Can you talk about your experience and even the last year, but, but even more so through your collegiate years and, and your experience as an alumni member.
4: Yeah, absolutely, Donnie. Thank you. So I, I just wanted to start off by uh, saying I spent some time today looking through the Teak Facebook page, and there's a number of uh, ongoing conversations that are happening around diversity and equality and, and those sort of topics. And I have to say, uh, there was one about, you know, Pride Month, and uh, I was just so proud to be a Teague today um, because the level of conversation, the number of chapters, the number of people that commented just saying, yeah, this is no big deal. Why are we, you know, it's great we're talking about this, but yeah, we've been doing this for, you know, in our chapter forever, and we've been open and accepting. And I just thought to myself, wow, this is Really exciting and something that I'm really proud to be a part of. Uh, my story is much closer to uh Frouder Marx um, in that I did not come out while I was in college. Uh, that was something that happened in my 20s uh, later on. And so my teak experience was very much about um, it's a, a bit of a stereotype, but uh, kind of being that overachiever of, you know, not wanting anyone to see any cracks in any part of your life. And so as a result, I was, you know, super involved in the chapter, super involved on campus, and just working really hard on, you know, being a success, not only for myself in the chapter, but, you know, for my family as well. I grew up in a small town of like 400 people in Iowa. So I didn't really have the uh, m- most open minded upbringing. And so, you know, getting to the University of Houston. And, you know, I was already experiencing a lot of growth and changes just in my environment, in my, you know, going away to college. And I just wasn't really ready at that point to kind of, you know, accept myself and everything about that. So it did take me some time. Um, Donnie, I love when you talk about the, the size of your Teak neighborhood. And By the time I I took a break from Teak, um, about the same time that I came out, um, I had developed a pretty big Teak neighborhood. I had taken advantage of a lot of the leadership training that was available, whether it's RLCs, I went to leadership academy, um, I facilitated at three different uh, leadership academies. And so I had made Teak friends from all over the place. And um, and I and when it came to that point in my life, I guess I one of the things that I really regret is that I didn't give people as much of a chance as I should have. And rather than you know just kind of coming out, I guess directly, I really kind of disappeared. Um, and I, I felt like I had to go off and kind of reinvent my life. I was kind of starting over and meeting all new friends and, you know, doing different things and following different interests. And um, I'm just, uh, you know, and I, I regret not not having those conversations much sooner than I did because like Mark said, once I finally did, I realized the only person who really cared was me. And so, um, you know, not giving people the benefit of the doubt, not giving people a chance to, you know, of course, there's going to be questions, they kind of know you as one person, and and it is a change. And so there will be those awkward conversations, and there will be the the questions about when did you know, or, you know, what was that like, or, you know, why didn't you tell me sooner, or I feel bad that you could didn't feel like you could talk to me. You know, there's all those sort of conversations. And, um, you know, and when they finally did happen, I was just so pleased and thankful that they went the way that they did. Um, You know, there were some really special, uh, really good and close frauders and friends that I've made over the years and, you know, one of them being our venerable grand primus, uh, Dr. Hickey. And he's been instrumental in just keeping me, pulling me back into the fraternity at every opportunity. and you know, just keeping me abreast of what's going on and just kind of giving me that confidence to step back into uh, any sort of leadership role. And uh, also just, uh, you know, accepting me, accepting my partner, and just really, you know, treating me like an extension of his family. And I've always been so grateful for that. And, you know, here we are 20 some years later, uh, and still have a a terrific friendship and in a bond that you know, is not related to my sexuality, but just to, you know, the commonalities that we have between us and, you know, mutual respect. And so coming back in uh, to answer your question, in a, in a in a long format, Donnie, is just this past year has been very eye-opening. Uh, it's even just little things like listing, you know, my partner uh, on the website, you know, in my bio, you know, I I kind of struggle with that. I'm like, mm, do I want to do I want to list this? Do I and then I said, yeah, if I'm going to do this. I want to be authentic. And I want to, you know, be myself. And so there's those little conversations, there's those little decisions about coming out that that happen all the time. And for people that are LGBTQ, it's not a one time thing. It's not like you make your announcement on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. And that's all it is. It's it's a continuation, or at least it is in my experience, I still have conversations uh, with my straight friends, or, you know, people from my past, or people that just don't really understand. And I think we all have an obligation to be open to having those conversations, being honest as you can, and um, and just appreciating that we've all been on a journey. Some of us got there faster, I'm I'm so, Proud of people, you know, like the the younger people we have on this panel, that you know, were able to um, come to grips with themselves earlier in their lives. Um, I, I wish, in many cases, I had had that opportunity or taken that opportunity. But we're all on this journey, and I think everyone would agree that it's it's ongoing. And uh, and wow, what a privilege to, you know, be having this conversation today with Teak Nation and just sharing a little bit about my humble story and, and just thanking so many people who have been there as part of the journey. And, and once I gave people the chance to, to be a part of my life again, it's been really, really wonderful.
1: Well said. And our last guest is TJ Morgan. He is the editor of the Teak Nation podcast, along with Garrett Thomas. They play a great job in, in cutting up and making, making all the, the pieces that we put into this broadcast extremely successful. As I tell people, he, he makes me look far superior than I am, far more intelligent than I am. Uh, but with that, TJ, you have uh, the yoke around your neck of working with me daily and, and being part of, of the professional staff where we are constantly asking for more, constantly looking to deliver value. What's, what's your experience been like as a collegiate member and, and as a member? Now you've been on this team for a year, part of our professional staff family. Can you talk about those two experiences and what they have meant to you?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, it definitely is different being on this side of the podcast for once. Um, so, and adding on the responsibilities, I'm glad to check this off the list. Uh, but, you know, kind of like Eric said, uh, in a whole, my, my journey with being gay has been, um, it, it is a constant coming out process, you know, it it definitely has to, for me, it started with coming out to yourself, which I, I would consider the hardest part of it all, um, is having that real and honest conversation with you and deciding, you know, like, this is me. And this is, uh, like Mark said, these are the cards that I've been dealt. And sometimes it's it's hard to swallow, swallow that and like take your own hand. Um, but I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, from central Oklahoma, and I had been I grew up there my entire life before I went to college, about three hours away, and that was my first experience, kind of getting to branch out from my home. So my home chapter is Sigma Lambda at NSU, Um, but I I didn't come out to myself until the very end of high school, and so uh, here I was a senior um, and knowing that I was about to go to college and kind of feeling that relief at the end of the tunnel, knowing that you know. Okay I'm about to catch a a breath of fresh air to where I can be in a new environment and figure out how I can construct myself there and not be confined to the the things that I felt in my in my current life was like holding me back or just um yeah just just in that sense just wanting to stay the same um, and so i I didn't think that I was going to join a fraternity going to college at all. Um, I definitely had those stereotypes in my head like, oh, you know, uh, fraternities are for like masculine, like rich bros and drinking. And I like, there's no way I'm going to play into that at all. Um, And and then as soon as I got to NSU, I remember my first week, my entire uh, dorm floor, they were all about fraternities. And it seemed like with that at, at NSU. To, to be somebody you needed to be a part of Greek life. And I I did know that I wanted to be somebody um, when I went to college because I was like, if, I, if I'm going to jump on this new create a identity train, like I'll, I'll just dive in, which is what I think I've come to be known for is taking as big of a bite as possible and picking up the pieces as I go. Um, and so whenever whenever I landed on Teak, what really got me was the love, charity, and esteem. I remember looking at all the letters whenever I was thinking about joining a Greek organization. I mean, like, I have no idea what those mean. Like that one, TKE, that doesn't even have any of the cool letters. It's just like regular English letters. What, what is that? And so, um, but then they spilled to me what their, what their, um, what TKE's meaning was, love, charity, and esteem, and what their goal was. And I was instantly hooked. Um, and, and then came the thoughts of like, okay, so now that I'm interested in this macho man fraternity, um, am I going to reveal the fact that I'm gay, am I actually, now that I knew that I was going to reveal and create a new personality, did I want being gay um, to be a part of that construction, or do I want, did I want to hold that off to see what opportunities I could find, and maybe not leave behind going forward with that, which was, I remember was a really heavy deal, um, so luckily, of course, I, I got accepted um, and bid into Teak, and, um, and, and, and I remember with my pledge class, that was one of the the first conversations that we had, we all sat down, and were like, hey guys, and I'm I'm face-to-face with all these other people from Oklahoma, and I would say the people that I was always worried about and didn't fit in, and we had like the athletic people, we had um, very country-looking people, I'm like, if anyone here is going to be against me being gay, it's like, it's this lot, there's no way, you know, <laughs> um, and I remember my pledge class, we actually had quite a few uh, gay members, and uh, that was in a bad way, it was kind of consult, uh, like consoling because I was like, okay, at least I can blend in. There's a few other members that are like more gay than me. So maybe if anyone's going to get kicked on, it's going to be them. Um, but we, we sat down that first night as a pledge class and we had the conversation like, hey guys, we're going to be completely honest. If we want to be a group, we have to build this together. And, um, and I, it started off, if I remember right, um, I think that we started talking openly about se- sexuality And I think if I remember correctly, one of my my pledge brothers pointed to me and was like, "TJ, you're gay too, right?" And I was like, in my head, I was like, "Me? Gay? No, no, no way." Um, But but I I was open and honest, and I I decided to take that leap, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, like I'm gay, and I've had that fear of coming into this fraternity. Like, if you guys don't want me here because of that, you know, like that that would suck." But I I I can't help it, it's who I am. And I remember all of us in that room, just being like, you guys are my brothers. You guys, we were just pledges at that point, but you know, you guys are my brothers and that's what we're here for. And we're gonna make it together. And I don't care about who you are or what you do. Well, what you do, of course, don't like kill anyone, but um, it, it was that same message that Mark shared that we're here to celebrate you as an individual, in, individual and um, we don't care about anything else. As long as you're being true to yourself, we're gonna push you to be the best that you can. Um, so bring it and let's like rock this so I remember since that day my uh my sexuality was intertwined with my identity in my chapter um of course like it it all my brothers were comfortable with it and I would get the the jokes you know like oh TJ no homo or like you know like oh you know we love this girl you know but TJ like obviously not you and I'm like okay you guys you don't have to point it out um but that, that was kind of what the rest of my four years looked like, was just a very accepting and open thing um, in my, and then my first step into the larger fraternity was Teak Leadership Academy in 2017, and I had the same fears over and over again. I was like, okay, you know, all my cards were dealt perfectly. I got a chapter that loved and accepted me, but how do I feel about stepping into the fraternity knowing, like, I could still be battling those same mindsets of, of people Pushing me away for who I am, and um, again, I was surprised. In um, Le- leadership academy, it was an amazing group of gentlemen, and I got so close to them. And uh, and then, and then beyond that, like I said, now now that I've graduated, I had the same fear as joining staff. I was like, "Gosh, dang it! <laughs> like another another coming out that's about to happen." And um, and, and then I think that was even scarier because. Uh, like your collegiate experience, I thought to myself, you know, as college, I can make it what I want, but as a career, um, I felt a little more subject to the the power that can come with people higher up, and people not accepting me for who I am, you know, it, you hear about it all the time, that if you're not accepted for who you are in your career, it, it, it can have some very negative effects, um, so I I was worried, into that but luckily you Donnie and and my team Garrett and Alex you got everyone on staff has welcomed me with open arms for who I am um and it's it's just a testament that there's a lot of love in our organization and there's a lot of love in the world with who you meet and that people just want you to be who you are and show that and be proud um and then treat them with respect so that that that's been my experience as a whole so far so thank you
1: well, one thing the world is now going to engage more with tj you will learn tj is one of the most positive human beings you will ever find so as, as we go through this conversation and talk in vulnerabilities uh tj will instantly if it, if it gets in a place where it might be a little energy draining or not as positive tj will find a way to make it positive because <laughs> that's what tj does. Uh, mark I, I wanted to come back to you and and i think this is a, a place to to make a sharp turn a sharp shift and and make this conversation even more impactful. And someone, someone like me, one of the first questions I, I, I will think about in, in talking to someone like you and, and members that we have here, what, what are some of the largest misconceptions that, that you think either the public or members of the fraternity have of those in the LGBTQ community?
3: Uh, you know, we are brothers. We're sisters. We are parents. We are uncles. We are aunts we are, uh, we're regular people. Um, we pay taxes. Most of us pay taxes. (laughs) Um, we, we perhaps worship at our church. Um, we have good days. We have bad days. Uh, we, we're, we're just created by our creator to live this life the fullest we can. And I think, uh, the the message I think, and I'm hearing my frauders uh, speak to this, it's about authenticity. You're not going to be a true teak all the way through and through if you cannot be authentic. You've got to start there. Uh, yeah, I had a, a slow coming out, so to speak. And um, I look back on the, the time that I, you know, we all matured in our own different ways, but even the times in my 20s and 30s when i was still uh literally in the closet and trying to live a double life and trying to prove myself valuable to people who i thought needed to see me in that role or 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 that role all the times that i cheated myself because i was not um authentic to myself i never and i'll tell everybody this story cuz it sounds it sounds really crazy but it's true I never had that conversation with my own parents that I'm gay. What they saw though was a change in my outlook on life because I had fallen into some deep depression about fighting this way. I wanted to just get it away. I, I never forget Pete Buttigieg talked about how if he could have taken a pill to make this go away, he would have as he was growing up because it's not easy to not fit in or feel like you're not, you're not part of the the crowd. So it was only when I came to that full realization of my authenticity did my family notice this complete change in my outlook and my uh, spirit of living. And, uh, and then I've had, um, a partner now for 31 years, David and I, uh, have been together and, uh, you know, he's actually my spouse and, uh, he has made my life so fulfilled and my parents, um, my mom now uh, sees him as the, his, her favorite son-in-law, though she's not going to tell the other son-in-laws that she says that. But um, it, it's just who I am and who I can be now because I can be authentic. I can be who I was meant to be and how I was, how was created. Uh, but we, we're, you know, we're your neighbors. <laughs> we're your frauders. Be authentic. Do it sooner than later. That's what I would ask my uh, young frauders to do. Uh, if you're going through, down this road and you have this in your journey, please do it sooner than later because you'll have so many people supporting you. Um, and you can start with uh, the guys uh, on the screen will be right behind you all the way.
1: Can you talk briefly, Mark? You you mentioned David and I'm so glad you mentioned David because he is a tremendous human being. He, he is a teak as well. And obviously you played a role in, in him becoming a teak. Can you talk about how, how that happened and how he got into a position where he was comfortable being a teacher.
3: Yeah, uh, well, he, you know, wants to celebrate my life as I celebrate his life. And he uh, saw th- how magical and special and all the joy that I got out of becoming, uh, being a member of the fraternity. Uh, and so he, he became an honorary teak, uh, but my dad also became an honorary teak and my brother Jay, uh, it, it was a family affair. Um, so uh, it was just another way for him to um, to feel uh, fully engaged in my life and uh, as, as I am in his. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, that's that, that's my journey and not everyone will have that same journey, but it was uh, something very special and something special to share. Um, you know, it, it, he uh, has not engaged as an active honorary, uh, but uh, he will always uh, not only uh, be very special, but he's, he's also a frauder, so it's that's, that's pretty good, it's pretty cool.
1: Absolutely. Eric, you mentioned some of the uncomfortable conversations, uh, awkward, awkward yeah. conversations. Are there any of those that spring to mind uh, as examples you could share, and possibly in some ways to, to make members like me that more comfortable in some of the questions that we should ask and some of the conversations that we, we should have as we're trying to and many times I'm, I'm guessing some of those conversations were innocent right and questions that they were asking, but how they came across might not have been <laughs> interpreted as innocent. Uh, can you yeah. some of those those experiences and, and help to educate some of us on how we can be thoughtful in the questions we ask?
4: Yeah, absolutely and I, I don't think there's any wrong questions and I think with somebody you're close to you can have open and honest conversations. I think, some of the toughest ones are just people that really feel hurt that you weren't able to express yourself to them prior to whenever you did. And, and I would, I can only speak for myself, but that really wasn't about them. It wasn't about me not trusting them enough to be honest with them. It was really about myself and being ready to, be open and honest with myself. And once I got there, then those conversations were, were much easier. So I would just say if you have somebody that, you know, is going through something similar, don't take it personally that, you know, whenever they choose to tell you or however they choose to tell you, that's, that's their choice and that's their journey. And, you know, just try and um, try and look forward uh, from that point on and, and how can you build relationship even further with this new level of honesty and trust because again it doesn't matter how many times you do it or or you know as tj said even as you change jobs or you move to a different phase in your life or you you know meeting somebody new for the first time there's there's still a little bit of a coming out exercise that you you have to do whether it's whether it's done obviously or whether it's done subtly um, it still has to happen because it's just a signal to somebody about who you are and, and kind of what you are about. So uh, I would say, you know, just, just try and be open and try and, um, try and put yourself in somebody else's shoes. I think we've all been in positions where we're uncomfortable or we're facing something new or we're trying to understand somebody who's a little bit different from ourselves. And I think just being an open-minded person is is really the, the best medicine. And don't worry too much about asking the wrong question. Um, you know, I, I made some jokes. There were questions about when did you know? And, you know, it, it, it's not just something that happens one day. It is a process that happens over a long period of time. And um, the, the, the answer, or the question you really should be asking is, um, you know, I, or the thing you really should just be saying is, I'm so glad you told me. I don't, I don't care when it was, but I'm glad to know, and I still love and accept you, and I look forward to, uh, you know, you being happy uh, with your life and and us continuing our our relationship, whatever that might be.
2: And and Eric, I kind of want to add it on uh, add onto that that um, in my experience, it's been when people try and ask you questions especially um like Donnie to your point if if you don't understand I think in my position it's always been able I've always been able to understand that no matter how someone asks a question the difference comes between where they're coming to know or whether they're trying to spread hate and that's always made the difference like there are offensive terms or there's incorrect ways to say things like I I I think that one of the most common ones that uh depending on how close someone is is someone might be like, you know, who's who's the girl in the relationship? And you know, those are those are very personally invading questions. And so there there can be lines there. But um if someone, for example, some people like they don't know how to ask about the LGBTQ. They're like, is it okay to say, you know, gay? Like you're gay and and in those in those situations it really comes down to me for no matter how you ask the question, it de- it depends on like if I can tell where it's coming from. If you're looking for, if you're looking to learn about it, so you can talk about it and and understand, um, and, and by extension understand me um, a little bit more, like it, it becomes way more obvious and easy to answer those uncomfortable questions um, compared to to of course people who come at it with hate or uh, ignorance. If they if they aren't accepting to learn about it, for sure. Well,
1: that educational angle is a phenomenal segue. And in Keon, you talked about your experiences in in being a part of the fraternity's educational events, and and this being a tremendous educational time. I, that's really what mm-hmm. I see more than ever. The country right now is open to the conversation and people asking questions and trying just to make sure that they're they're a little more open and understanding to things that happen in daily life that before we just rolled past so you know at at this time and again being a person lgbtq community also a person of color what are what are biases what are what are things that you see that might not be intentional because that's that's been the biggest piece that i have seen are are biases that folks aren't doing it to be hurtful they're Mm -hmm. just happening and and folks aren't as aware of it can you can you shine light to that
0: um some biases i would say that i um, have experienced is that being gay that you are not able um to be a leader or you're not able to have some people look up to you Um, and um one big thing is of people being scared to ask the questions and people being scared to try to understand. Um, because sometimes, like TJ said, it, you can definitely understand if it's coming from a place of love or coming from a, a place of hate. And so, it's like overcoming the obstacle of being politically correct to someone, Um, To me, it's something that I have to teach my fathers to stop doing to me. Like, don't try to sit here and save my feelings from hurt. I want you to treat me just like and ask me the same questions you ask someone else. And I, I want to sit here and educate you. I want to sit here and talk to you about what it means to be a person of color right now. And I want to sit here and talk to you what it means to be a person of the LGBTQ community in a fraternity. Like I am here and open to educate you at the same way I want you to educate me of how you feel and how you feel in the world right now. Um, and just definitely having that open mic conversation that some chapters or some people are not willing to do because they are scared to have it and they are scared to see like what they may um, come across as and as long as you're coming from love there's nothing really to be scared of it's just we really all as a peak nation need to just sit here and really get that conversation going and the only way to start a conversation is to have those awkward questions answered Um, and until we actually start having those questions answered there's no progress that's going to happen with us and so for me i'm just so happy that i was able on my chapter Talk to my fathers and tell them how the the right way to come across and the right way to ask those questions and just to be open-minded.
3: Donnie, uh, I got to tell you, I, we have come so far in this in this fraternity. I remember back in the 90s when um, there was a concern that some chapters uh, were discriminated against uh, were discriminating against people that may present themselves HIV positive and uh, the fraternity then. Uh, and it took some time, but we came out with a, a policy statement about uh, being uh, open and accepting and supportive of, of frauders that may be going through that um, through that disease at the time. Um, but that took a lot. It took a lot of people. Uh, uh, but the grand council at the time said yes, it's the right thing to do. Um, but it, I, I just, I just want to underscore the importance of this moment now that that you and the, the Grand council, your great staff have really taken this step in, in a most positive way. And I think if there's a message out there that we have to get out is that we want to be a support, um, mechanism for our frauders to be authentic. And I know I've used that phrase several times now, the word several times now, but you cannot be who you're going to be if you can't be all you're going to be. Uh, and you've got to, um, got to know that the Teak fraternity is here to, uh, to be that fraternity that it was created back in 1899 to, to be a fraternity for all men. Um, and I just I just had to get that off my chest to tell you how proud I am of what yeah. y'all are doing.
1: Well, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I will say I'm blessed that I get to work for a tremendous group of people. And obviously Eric, Eric's a part of that. And then I get to work with a tremendous group of people in our, in our staff family. And Keon, you talked about love and, and asking questions from a place of love. And TJ as well, in your answer, one of the, the things that, that has occurred in the last few days is is putting up on the website, hashtag love is love. And, and TJ, you were a big part of of creating that project, uh, the design of, of the house plate. Mark, I want to give you the floor here as we, we start to wrap up and, and we've touched a lot of different aspects, but you you again, in terms of service and dedication, and you've just, you're an icon in this organization. Can you just, anything you want to share, get off your chest, get off your shoulders or or any other messages for all of those who are, who are going to take in this podcast, things that that you would like for them to hear and know.
3: Well, I, to my frauders on the, uh, on the, on this podcast, um, I look at all of you, uh, as I do myself as just soldiers in, uh, in this, um, effort to uh, ensure that we live up to our principles. And I think uh, by your, your own um, role modeling, um, it, we're gonna make the road a little bit easier for frauders that come after, after us. And I think that, that's the most important thing that we can do is, is leave a, a better teak. Um, it's, it's not our teak, it's the teak for the next generation. And I think, I think that's uh, something that we all have to strive for. And I, I appreciate the fact that y'all have been able to share in such an honest and direct way so that uh, we can uh, be part of a, of a greater antique. I think the, the thing is uh, always uh, reach out and, and, uh, and find that person that you can talk this through. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking to frauders who are watching this that might be going through the same experiences that, that all of us went through sometime in our life. And Keon's uh, place, it was much earlier than, uh, than me in uh, others, it took a while to understand um, what uh, God had created and what the Im- important things were to be in that person's life, uh, to be authentic, uh, but reach out. There are people out there that uh, want to help and want to help guide you through this uh, uh, this uh, situation um, so that you can be that full teak uh, and be a, a, a full human being. And so uh, I'm, uh, I'm always available to, uh, to give you my experiences and uh, please reach out to me as well. Uh, paternity obviously has grown tremendously over the last several decades, particularly this past uh, several uh, years. In understanding, uh, you know what it's like to live this this modern world that we all are, are trying to navigate. So, uh, I think the resources are there. You've got a, a CEO here in Donnie that uh, understands, and um, I, I've never been more proud to be a Teak than I am today.
1: Thank you, Mark. Keon, messages to share with Teak Nation
0: for me it's I like to hit on leadership a lot, especially for members of color and members of the lgbtq community um don't be afraid to put yourself in leadership positions in leadership roles and do not be afraid to be you like, that's a big thing so again like for me, coming out at such a young age, I have dealt with bullies and dealt with um a lot of harassment growing up. And so when I entered college, I always I've always known that I wanted to be somebody and I wanted to accomplish something on my campus and I wanted to do something, but I was always scared. And so when I joined Teak, I understood that this is the time and this is the moment for me to do something and not be scared anymore to be that voice, to be that change, to be that face of something on this campus. And so to all like all the products out there who, again, are of color and part of our community, don't be afraid, just be vulnerable. You have it, you're going to be somebody, if you know you wanna be somebody, if you wanna be in leadership positions, do not be afraid to go out and get it and get that role. Um, Because great things will happen and great things will be accomplished. Um, For me, after joining or becoming the Preakness um, on my campus, I was awarded uh, chapter president of the year through IFC on my campus. Um, I was also awarded Top Peak through HQ. And so you can be somebody, you just have to go out there and not be scared and forget what everyone else says and forget the stereotypes of what they say about you because we deserve to be in leadership positions and we deserve to be heard and we deserve to be the face of our campus and our fraternity and our chapter.
1: It's a beautiful message. Thank you for being with us today, Kia. TJ, words and thoughts. Obviously, you're the man many times behind the microphone. This time, you get to you get to have the microphone all to yourself.
2: Yeah. So, um, uh, I think as we we've all kind of said on this podcast, being prideful uh, of who you are and who you're trying to make yourself is a is a massive part of about giving other people you're all, um, and, and people see that, and people appreciate that. Um, and like anything, a, anytime you put yourself out there, you know, I think that if you put that positivity into the world and you put that hard work into the world, it will be returned. Maybe not in the form that you expect, maybe not in the, the way that you want, um, but it will come. And um, that, you know, that can mean getting shot down, that could mean getting hurt, um, but I always think that you can you can pick yourself up and and it takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to do that um, but I believe anyone, um, people of color, people in the LGBTQ um, you have a lot of experience of picking yourself up and in it it's hard but it's possible and you you come out stronger on the other end um, and I think that that applies to anything you do that applies to organizations being able to live authentically and put what you believe out there will bring it back in return as well and that's why you know teak with love charity, and esteem, we put that out there and i think that we get it back in each of our fraud is like tenfold and um, it's always inspiring and so i i i think just within the theme of pride and how i live my life the best thing that you can do is be yourself and be the best you that you can be because you're the only one so you 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 got to show up and you got to show it out um, just just live that life and um, stop saying "um" am on podcasts, so I don't have to edit it out just kidding <laughs> so
1: he's not kidding that's my boy there we do not say um it's a wasteful word and it has to be edited out by tj great message you can see now why I enjoy being around this man every single day with his infectious energy and attitude eric You're part of the Grand Council, just just voted 11 to nothing, right? Unanimous vote to move in this direction with the first four steps in areas that we're going to be making improvements. We're going to be continuing to be educational and learning and and moving this organization into its future phases, right? Just reliving, essentially living everything we took a bond to uphold. What are messages you have for the organization? (laughs) And for some, this may be their first chance to really uh, hear from you and engage with you uh, if they didn't attend right. some of the conclaves, but sharing your perspective as we close out this this episode of the Teague Nation podcast.
4: Yeah, I have a couple things. One, just be aware that on the Grand Council, there is a voice and there is strong desire to listen to the concerns of our members, uh, understand what our members are going through, um, and to take Teak in, uh, you know, towards the future. Uh, We have a tremendous staff, uh, Donnie's great leadership, and please know the Grand Council is equally committed to all these issues um, that we're going to be discussing. I think it's going to become more of a part of our programming, and one of the things that Teak does best is our education, and I think the more conversations we can have like this, the more um, we can build this as a part of the curriculum that we share with our members. I think it just prepares young men and um, and older men, like myself, to be better teaks. And I did uh, did not wanna close this podcast out without uh, celebrating a a very large victory in the LGBTQ uh, community that happened this morning. Uh, If you haven't heard already, uh, there was um, uh, three uh, Supreme Court cases that were settled today, and prior to today, in most of the United States, you could you could still be fired uh, based on your sexual orientation. And as of today, the court case came down that uh, that is now illegal in all 50 states, and uh, and provides some protection to those of us that are. You know, out of the workplace, so it's an amazing, amazing victory. I love when these uh, Supreme Court cases these cases uh, come down during June, uh, as uh, gay marriage did a few years ago. Uh, Today is one of those very, very special days in LGBTQ history, and to be able to celebrate on this podcast is pretty remarkable. So, thank you, Donnie.
1: Well, thank you, Eric. It's obviously a great day for for this community. It's a great day for our entire country and for the world that's it's a phenomenal thing to be able to celebrate it is i do find the timing they always find a way to make this happen in (laughs) june pretty thoughtful at the supreme court level yes i do uh well i want to i want to again thank thank all of our guests for being here today and i will tell you one of the one of my favorite memories that shows what this organization is a couple years ago at conclave we have a, a tradition if you've not if you've not attended conclave we have a tradition where during the grand inaugural, we introduce all of the past grand pretty night, and, and typically they come out with their spouse, and and they, they do a quick wave, and and I I try to play my best, Ryan Seacrest MC during that time, and and in that folks get get various rounds of applauses, depending if you knew them or maybe you were a collegiate during their time or maybe you just know them, and so uh, those those volumes rise and fall with different PGPs, but a couple of years ago, Mark brought David and and they processed across the stage together and it was the loudest reception that I have ever heard for any PGP or even a a Grand Freedness walking across a stage and it was one of the the most heartwarming positive pieces I've ever seen in this organization so um, just shows where we can go and who we are and and what we are and so I want to thank you all for for being vulnerable and having this conversation educating me educating our organization And, and I can't wait to see what the future steps are ahead and, and how much larger of an impact that that uh, we can play in, in making sure that all of you know how critical you are in this Teak family. So thank you all for joining us on this version of the Teak Nation podcast and hope you join us on future episodes.
3: Thank you, Donnie. See you, thank frotters. You.
1: Thank you, Donnie.